Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. On May 18th, a teenager stole his father's shotgun and revolver and smuggled them into Santa Fe High School under a trench coat. He then murdered 10 innocent people before surrendering to the police. Let's get back to this breaking news. We're trying to sort out what's happening at Santa Fe, Texas, a high school there just uh, west and north slightly of Galveston, Texas. They're telling us the school's on lockdown. A school shooting with reports of multiple fatalities, this time in Santa Fe, Texas. It's outside Galveston. A suspect is in custody after opening fire this morning at the high school against Santa Fe. It's a developing story. We're getting details uh, coming in. Unfortunately, I have to begin by expressing our sadness and heartbreak over the deadly shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas just took place moments ago. We're closely monitoring the situation, and federal authorities are coordinating with local officials. This has been going on too long in our country. Too many years, too many decades now. We grieve for the terrible loss of life and send our support and love to everyone affected by this absolutely horrific attack. The incident was another devastating reminder that evil exists and that while the nation's schools have become progressively safer over the last 30 years, there is still so much more work that can be done. Unfortunately, this school shooting has also helped perpetuate gun control and school safety narratives that are sliding further from the truth than ever before. My colleague, Kelsey Harkness, a reporter with Heritage's multimedia news organization, The Daily Signal, recently traveled to Santa Fe, Texas. We went to Santa Fe because there have been far too many of these school shootings in America. And after Parkland, we really saw this student-led activism taken to a whole new level. And we all know what the students there stand for, what they're fighting for. But what's interesting is that when the shooting in Santa Fe happened, hardly anybody knows how those students feel, how they responded to the shooting, and how they're healing So we went down there to try to find out. I interviewed three girls who all had just graduated high school. Their names were Grace Johnson, Annabelle O'Day, and Caitlin Richards. I also interviewed a teacher, Steve Rose. He's been a teacher for 40 years and is going back to Santa Fe this fall. Kelsey's interviews took place on the one-month anniversary of the shooting, which didn't make the conversations easier for anyone. And she said it rained the entire time they were there. These were definitely some of the most difficult interviews I've ever done, and I've done quite a lot of interviews in my day. Uh, What do you say to high school students who just a month earlier witnessed something so tragic and traumatic? I really, you know, I did not have the words. Um, But my goal there was simply to listen and to give them a voice. And that's what I hope we did. Grace was in the band hall right next to the art rooms where the shooting actually took place. I walked into a practice room. I told my friend, I said, hey, like, I'm going to take a nap in here because I don't feel good. I was kind of falling asleep, like, 
that period between you're like almost asleep, but you're still awake. So you can hear the things going out on outside, but your brain's not really like processing it. The fire alarm goes off. We had a fire alarm like the week before. And so I was like, okay, everybody like grab your stuff. This is probably a real fire. We need to get out. And I remember like I woke up and like there was flashing lights coming in through the window of the practice room. So I'm running and where I was, we were really close to the door. So me and my friend were like one of the first people out. I heard some commotion in the hallway. I thought there was a fight going on and I'm nosy. <laughs> and when I walked out, I saw like a bunch of people like screaming. And then um, I heard a really loud noise. And that's when I saw somebody go down. I don't know if it was a kid, I don't know if it was a teacher, but somebody fell and I just thought I was dreaming, whatever. Daniel Vaughn, who was a, is a social studies teacher at the school, he is a uh, retired veteran. He came running around our corner and said that there was an active shooter, there were gunshots, and going to lockdown. I ran back into the band hall and I said, what's going on? The kids in my class were just saying, there's a, someone, someone shooting, someone, there's a school shooter. And I was just like, what? Like, I don't understand. They could feel the shooting in the floors. They could feel the vibrations. And they had to stay there hidden until law enforcement finally came and told them they were safe. Um, once they were safe, law enforcement told them, don't look down because you're going to see a lot. And what those officers were telling them was, you're going to see dead bodies, dead children, your classmates, blood. That was one of the hardest points of the whole time I spent in Santa Fe, hearing that. Eight of our students died that day, and two of our teachers. 13 other people were shot, but they did not die. So. Kelsey Grace, Annabelle, Caitlin, and Steve, they didn't talk to you just so they could tell you about what happened that day. They were frustrated about something else. What was it that they actually really wanted to talk to you about? From the start, even when the shooting was taking place, they were very upset with the media's reaction. And it only got worse as the days unfolded and the media went down there. I think the media has treated us completely unfairly. They came to our town expecting us to throw these rallies and, you know, march for our lives and um, lay on the ground and with posters, you know, like, that's not what we're doing. We don't want to wait around and protest for change. We want change, but we don't want outsiders coming in and forcing it upon us. It was a boy who stole his dad's guns. And I know that some of them are advocating for people to lock up guns, but I feel like locking up guns would go against the Second Amendment, even if it's in your house. I feel like that's an infringement because if you have a burglar come in, what are you going to tell them? Like, hold on, like, there's a burglar. Let me go, let me go get my gun out of the safe. Most of everybody here has grown up with guns or seen a gun or shot a gun. Most everybody knows how to shoot a gun. Then they know like the number one rule, you know, don't point it at anyone, don't even pick it up, act like it's always got um, ammunition in it. 
guns, yes, have been used to do some awful things. But guns don't kill people. People kill people. This boy tried making bombs. If there were bombs that gone off, you blame the bomber. If there's a drunk driver accident, you blame the drunk driver. You blame the person, you blame the human. But if it's a shooter, you blame the gun. And that's what society is doing here. You don't have to be okay with guns. But I guess you have to respect that people are. With the teachers and the students that I spoke with and other community members, so their reaction to the media and to the fallout of the shooting is interesting because on one hand, they are so frustrated with what they believe is a clear bias in the media that they just want to be left alone. They don't need any reporters to come down there and tell them they're going to be okay. They know that. They know how to heal for themselves and take care of each other. On the other hand, they have a really important message to share. And just because they're not calling for gun reform doesn't mean they're not calling for any sort of change. That's their ultimate message. There's so much change that they're calling for, and I think they have a right to be a part of this conversation. Um, they also are standing firm in their support for the Second Amendment. They all grew up around guns. Most of their parents own guns. Most of them have shot guns. They don't blame the gun. They blame the shooter. They're looking at solutions such as mental illness, such as school safety, things as basic as locking doors. The shooter walked into the school because a door was unlocked. They're also looking at social media, how we treat one another. Annabelle and Caitlin, along with a couple other friends, started a nonprofit called Hearts United for Kindness. This is a nonprofit that anybody in this country or world, for that matter, could donate to so that they can spread their cause and spread their mission. But you know nothing about that because the mainstream media isn't there. They don't care about this message. It seems like they only care about gun control. Steve said to me, On May the 18th, I have never, ever wanted my 45 pistol in my hand more than at that moment in time. Steve also said he's thought long and hard about the issue of Army teachers, as someone who's been a teacher for 40 years himself. And while he doesn't think it's the silver bullet to solve all of these issues, he thinks it's necessary. Just speaking generally for me, I would do whatever training is involved. I would, I would do that. That would not be an issue. I think, quite frankly, that it could be done in a very safe manner. I think uh, the weapons could be stored in a safe manner. Uh, it, all that would have to be done. But uh, let's, let's face it, it's another line of defense against evil. To help us explain some of the policy issues around our nation's school safety crisis, I talked to Amy Swearer. Amy is a legal policy analyst in Heritage's Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. After the Santa Fe shooting, some gun control advocates have said that because Santa Fe's high school had two armed resource officers on duty during the shooting, that armed guards are ineffective at preventing school shootings. I asked Amy what she thought about this. Well, I think that's not only not played out in the history of, of what we've seen 
armed school guards be able to to accomplish in terms of stopping these types of shootings. Uh, but it's not even played out in the reality of what occurred at Santa Fe. In fact, when you look at what did happen at Santa Fe, uh, it's it's almost unquestionable that the presence of those armed guards saved uh, several lives, if not many, many more lives. Uh, you know, that doesn't take away from the, the tragic fact that 10 lives were lost, uh, but this could have been a lot worse had it not been for the presence of two armed guards who responded and were confronting the shooter, uh, I believe within about two minutes uh, was was what was reported as as the maximum time frame that we're looking at uh, but before the shooter was confronted. Um, and so we, we see these stories about, oh, well, it took 30 minutes for this shooter to finally be subdued and, and arrested. Uh, but the reality is that for most of that time, he was not actively engaged in, in shooting teachers and students. He was holed up in a classroom, uh, not engaged in that. It, it turns out that when he was confronted by armed uh, officers, uh, he engaged in the officers, and, and that allowed other students to escape from nearby rooms. Uh, and, and clearly it put the officers in danger, uh, but it stopped his ability uh, from there on out to in, engage with students uh, and with people who were not otherwise armed and capable of defending themselves. Amy, are, are there other instances that the media has not reported where armed guards or resource officers have helped in situations? Yeah, so there, there's actually been uh, three rather significant instances of this in the last few years. Something similar occurred at Reynolds High School in Oregon in 2014. Uh, there was a, a similar instance at Arapahoe High School in, in Colorado in 2013 and Sullivan Central High School in, in Tennessee in 2010. And even just uh, within the month or two after the Santa Fe incident, uh, there was an incident, I, I believe it was in Indiana, it was Indiana or Illinois, where a student showed up to a graduation rehearsal with a firearm. Uh, and because there was an armed officer immediately in the vicinity, that officer was able to subdue the student and, and no one was injured. Um, and, and I think one of the reasons we don't hear about a lot of these stories is that because officers were there and because the casualty counts tend to be a, a lot lower, uh, precisely because someone was there to confront the shooter, it, it doesn't have that same sort of uh, emotional appeal uh, in, in terms of you know, journalistic stories as the tragedies at Parkland and Newtown and, and Santa Fe. Uh, and, and so it kind of gets swept under the rug and, you know, it'll pop up for a little bit and be, oh, look, you know, this is a good thing. Officers save lives. But it, it just doesn't have that long lasting uh, impact of a story. So, Amy, as we wrap this up, as an expert and someone who has spent a lot of time researching and studying this incredibly scary crisis we're facing, and, and I say that as a mother myself, as a country and in our own communities, where can we start to fix this? Well, I think from the most basic level, where we can start with this is understanding that when it comes to the realization that this is an atrocity, you know, these are devastating events, there's no side to this. We're not on two separate sides. We, we as Americans are very unified in realizing that these events are devastating. They have devastating consequences and something needs to be done to the fullest extent allowed by law and by the Constitution. So I think we need to start uh, from a conversational standpoint, understanding that when it comes to this most basic point, there aren't two sides to this. 
and that everything we do from, from there on out really has to do uh, not with a discussion over whether or not this is bad, but a discussion about what good policy looks like, that, that this is where we're disagreeing in terms of what policies are effective, and that there isn't this disagreement over, oh, I care about my guns more than kids, um, and you, know, you care about kids more than the Second Amendment. Uh, that, that's not the case. Um, we all agree that this is bad. It, it becomes an issue of what is effective and what is lawful and what is allowed by the Constitution. Thank you, Amy. That's it for this week's episode of Heritage Explains. Please go watch the Daily Signals documentary on the Santa Fe High School shooting. I'll put it in the show notes along with Heritage Research on school safety, and we'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by Thalia Rampersad. Special thanks this week to the Daily Signals' Kelsey Harkness and Lauren Evans.